Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 105 of the Feminine Critique, where we're going to talk about really depressing teenage girls disappearing into the ether or something like that. I'm Emily. With me? Um, your your own teenage girl disappearing into the ether, Christine. Oh, no, no, no. Don't go away. No, I'm fine. I'm here. Stay. I'll I'm give here. you a valentine. Aw, oh, thank you. Of course. Christine, what movies are we talking about today? We are talking about Picnic at Hanging Rock, not uh-huh. the new Amazon one, because I still haven't watched okay, it Okay, I was going to say, well, like, I'll talk about that a little bit, but okay. And Virgin Suicides. I forgot what it was called. Yeah. So I thought this was a really good idea for a show. Because last mm-hmm. time, when, when last we recorded, uh, <laughs> we had we were talking about Lake Mungo. And yes. I kept saying, like, oh, there's kind of a Picnic at Hanging Rock vibe. And is it because it's Australia or because it's a yes. teenage girl or what? And the more I talked about it, the more it was like, hey, let's let's cover Picnic at Hanging Rock. And then I was like, all right, let's think of what to pair it with. And you didn't think of anything. So I was like, Never. <laughs> all right, how about Virgin Suicides? And then I sat down and watched both, and I was like, oh, man, this puts me in a mood that I didn't want to be in. It put me in a mood, too. Yeah. Probably a different mood than you were in, though. Oh, boy. Now, had you seen either or both films before? Um, I, w- I would have told you I had seen both, but I think the reality is I never actually finished uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Or if I did, I it was like split into two sittings, and I kind of didn't like check back in for the second half because there were there were whole things I didn't remember. Did I lose you? Are you a ghost? Can you hear me now? Oh, there you are. Yeah, my cat jumped off my lap, and he muted me. He muted my microphone in leaping like, off of me. Screw you, Emily. <laughs> Fuck you. You didn't. You didn't want to talk about your virgin suicides. Uh, yeah, I'd seen both. A picnic, picnic hanging rock. I'd seen a few times, and and I mean, we're jumping ahead. Like, I love pic. I do love picnic and hanging rock. Like, I think there's a lot of special things about that film. Um, it was just one of those cases where I was in the wrong mood for both yeah. of these movies, and so they just ended up feeling sluggish for me. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, especially. Oh, this is this is going to be a gonna good be a time. Fun, good time. And I will say, I did watch the Amazon series of Picking and Hanging Rock, so I have How some things it? to say about that. Uh, it was mixed. Um, it's beautiful. It looks gorgeous. The costumes are amazing. And I kind of I can't say this too loud because my husband's sitting over here and he's he's not listening to me. But I don't know. I talk loud, so he might hear me anyway. But um, if I wasn't married to him, I might be married to Natalie Dormer. She's lovely. She is. He just gave me the finger. <laughs> <laughs> Always listening. She is amazing. Uh, people who watch Game of Thrones know her from that. Uh, she was Marjorie. And that was a case of an actress taking a character that wasn't that much and then turning her into yeah. somebody. Fascinating. But well, she's that so That alone will get me to watch it. Because oh, totally. I do enjoy her. So. Yeah. And the series has some issues, but she is the best thing in it. And she gets a really juicy, meaty thing to play. It's really just fun watching her. Um, it And I also, I also, I didn't just watch the miniseries and I didn't just watch the movie. I decided to read the book. Yeah. I think I, I, think I had noticed yeah. that based on what your oh, my social goodness. media yeah. things were. Yes, yes, yes. How was that? I actually really enjoyed reading the book. Fun. I read it in one plane ride. Like it was a pretty quick read, uh, and it was a good read to kind of read would all I at like once. It? I think you would. Mm. I think you should give it a, give it a try. Yeah, I mean, hey, give it a hundred pages. If it doesn't work for you, stop. That's my rule when it comes. Wait, to books. I like that. Yeah. Do you not live your life that way when it comes to books? 
Oh, I have such guilt about not finishing oh, honey. stuff. No. Such guilt. If, I, I, I mean, look, you're free to live your own life and do what you do. <laughs> Thank you for that. But I personally am a firm believer in, in the 100-page rule. If at 100 pages this book isn't speaking to me, involving me, then I – because a book is different from a movie. Like – a movie, okay, two hours long. After the first hour, if it's awful, I can still be doing other things. I don't have to be immersed in it. I can still finish I'm it. literally just now kind of okay with not finishing a movie. Okay. It's taken me this long in my life. Oh, I still, it's weird. I still don't like not finishing a movie because if I get to a certain point, it's like I don't have to sit here and watch it. If the movie, if at a certain point I'm done with the movie, I can pick up my phone and play Words with Friends or go online and do something. Yeah. You know, like I can get through it, but with a to me with a book, you have to be too so yeah, engaged. I can't be book, doing yeah. anything else. I can be, you know, I can have something on in the background, but I can't read a book while watching TV. I can't read a book while listening to music. Like if I'm reading a book, I'm fucking reading a book. And mm-hmm. if that means another five hours of reading this book, or another three hours, or whatever time this is, and I'm in misery, I'm, you know. I'm not going to yeah. do that. I'm not going to live forever. I don't need to spend, you know. So I have, yeah. a, I have a finite amount of time on this earth. Hey, Christine. I get it. Everything begins and ends at exactly the right time and place. And I don't want that time and place to happen and me being like, oh, man, why did I spend all those hours finishing Watership Down when I was not enjoying it at all? You know? Mm-hmm. When I'm like, well, I could have been watching Starship Troopers again. I get it. Okay. Okay. Now, before we talk about our experiences with these movies, uh, we like to do a little thing where we talk about other movies we've other watched movies. and such. So, Christine, it's been a few weeks, if you Almost will, since we recorded. Month, about a month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the season has changed. It is now summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm quite curious. What have you been watching to bring I, in the new season? I have a lot on my list, and I think I'm gonna oh, t- take. I have a little on my list, so you okay. you go as deep as you want to, girl. Okay. <clears throat> so I actually went to the movie theaters quite a bit, so there's Ooh, some new rats. stuff on here. Um, we went and saw Upgrade. What did you think? I'm I kind of want to give it my money. I liked it. I mean, yeah. I wanted to give it my money too. Not Tom Hardy is so handsome, and he I li- I really liked him in this movie. Um, it turns into a little bit of like a. Oh, like that's how I felt at the end of it. Like, oh, okay, that's what okay. it was about. But I was fine with it. It wasn't. I mean, it didn't like blow my mind. I wasn't thinking about <laughs> it for hours after. But like, I look back fondly on the viewing experience. <laughs> I root for Lee Winnell. I do. I. You know what? He doesn't make it easy sometimes, but I do as well. Um, it was a little bit. The 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 plot was a little pedestrian. Felt a little like. Can we just add something else in here? Um, but, like, it was fine. Got it. But so you should watch it. I will. I will. I don't know if I'll see it in the theater, but I will definitely seek it out. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, you should seek it out. Um, I always... I have a movie on here that I got from the not most legitimate place. Mm. And I always, like, hesitate to bring it up, but... <laughs> But, like, I believe Shout Factory is releasing this movie properly, and I'm buying it. Um, They're going to release it properly, and I want everyone in the world to see it because I love this movie so fucking much. Um, And it is called Mary Shelley, and it is about Mary Shelley, and it has – and Elle Fanning is Mary Shelley. Hashtag Mary Shelley. 
I, I feel like I've, I've heard of this, but I've certainly not seen it because it hasn't I, come out yet. Well, I don't think. Well, I, th- I don't think it's out. It uh, might be out some places. Um, and and I felt I liked this movie so much that I felt palpable guilt at not having Aww, supported. This was my it, like, perfect getaway experience. Yeah. So yeah. I I'm like. I saw, I actually, I think, it, I think it's Shout Factory. I follow them on Instagram and I saw that they were going to be releasing it. And I was like, oh, 100% buying this. 100% going to buy this. This movie was so fucking, talk about ethereal and like, like vaporous teenage girls. It was so good. Neat. I love Mary Shelley. I think I, yeah. Here's a secret. Never read Frankenstein. Oh, I have you should. read. It's actually really good and one of the most important novels of modern times. Three Mary Shelley biographies. I really like Mary Shelley, <laughs> but I've never read Frankenstein. And this movie was absolutely everything. If nice. this movie had come out when I was a kid, I would have been obsessed with it. Very nice. I love it so much. So that is my very um... hearty recommendation, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. I'm going to heartily recommend that you read Frankenstein. I, you know what? I, I rented it from the library and I was like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this. Because I got it like digitally. I'm going to read it. And then like my, my, it expired and I was like, I never read that. <laughs> maybe I'll try. I have a plane trip coming up. So maybe Ooh, it's, it's a good again. plane book. Definitely. I'll do that. So I watched, I think it's HBO, the HBO um, redo of Fahrenheit 451. How is it? I haven't recorded, but I haven't watched it yet. I liked it. I mean, it didn't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. I mean, I prefer the source material better, but I think they did an okay job, like, updating it and trying to make it relevant. There were a few moments of, like, book burning that gave me genuine anxiety. Uh, Yeah. It felt there were some like really icky parts and like that kind of triggered some like hoarding OCD that I have really <laughs> like low level like for like the fear of losing things and sure to getting things taken and all that stuff um, and like just this, the idea of like knowledge being lost it really was tough to yeah. get through parts of it but then like it was okay everybody was good in it Michael how Shannon was, was great I was gonna say how was my boyfriend okay good good to he hear. was so good he looked exceptionally handsome Ooh, well i mean he always does but okay somehow i maybe it's because he's like i mean he was in like a super popular movie but like i don't know he he looks younger somehow maybe he's mm-hmm. got some like skin regimen going on <laughs> i like that now that he's like movie <laughs> but, star he gets access to better lotion i don't know he just looked really good he always looks good but I he mean, looked yeah. extra good and michael b jordan is great is all and, yeah like it was the cast was great. I don't know. I could see people being eye rolly at it because it, it it is super like futuristic. The future. I like the future. Ca- cameras and <laughs> where things are big on billboards or whatever. So like I get maybe not liking that, but I don't know. It worked for me. Okay, groovy. You should watch it though. I, I, I will. Yeah. I as will. I was watching it, I, we watched it late because it's been out for a while. I think it's been out since May. Yeah, I think so. I think it came out when I was on vacation. So yeah. Yeah, and we were like, I wonder if that if Fahrenheit 451's out yet. And we look, and it's been out for like a month. I was like, oh, whoops. Um, so I think you should watch it, and you have to let me know what you think. I will. I promise. I will. Hooray! So went to the theater and saw Hotel Artemis a movie that I was genuinely pumped for. How um, was it? Not as good as I had hoped, but I don't know if that's expectation-based or because okay. it wasn't that great. Who directed cast, that? Who directed Oh, that's a really good question. 
you want me to look? I can look. No, that's okay. I just, I, maybe you knew offhand, I thought. I'm, I might have. I had a really bad allergy attack earlier, so I've Aww. got a, a bit of the stupids. I can't Aww. think. My brain I can, feels. I can pull it up in two knee seconds. One. Two knee seconds. Two knee seconds. <laughs> oh, first I need to watch a trailer for it, apparently. God, I hate IMDb sometimes. Drew sometimes. Pierce, who directed... He directed movies. Um, oh, no, actually, he didn't. He directed shorts that were like... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, he dir- we, he, we looked it up after. Yes. He's a, he has writing credits on Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Iron Man 3. But this was um, his first full-length film. I mean, it was... the the ca- I was there for the cast, personally. Yeah, that's an um, cast. 100% there for the cast. Uh, it was... It, again, much like Upgrade, there was a little bit of like, oh, okay, like when it when it ended. But I, I don't know. I wanted it to be more like Jodie Foster, Dave Bautista, John Wick. Like I just wanted a little bit more of that. I wanted it to be like maybe a little bit more stylish or like, you know, intriguey. There was like this really weird MacGuffin in it that never came into play, but it didn't feel deliberate. Like how a MacGuffin just pushes the story. This literally felt like something introduced that never paid off it was mm. weird okay um so again i do recommend it though because it's got a good cast and it's it's interesting okay cool um i watched con air for the first time you know i have never watched that beginning to end oh my god it was so much fun it was nice. genuinely so much fun yeah that's what i've always heard but i've I, i've never sat down and watched it i, ha- I had my doubts yeah <laughs> but it, I like it, it. It's Michael Bay directed, right? I think. Yeah, I'm almost yeah, positive yeah. you're right. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I just, I Nicholas Cage is the least good thing about it. Okay, you can fight me. I don't care. There's just so <laughs> much going other. To, but sure. <laughs> There's just so much other good fun stuff happening, like in the background. Very um, cool. It's cool. Um, what else? Oh, so I saw Hereditary. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. We were going to go this weekend. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, uh, just so give me, without spoiling anything, where do you land on it? Look, uh, I actually put it off because I thought it was going to make me too upset. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, it did. Um, okay. Super glad I saw it. I I don't, like, like sometimes people, like, hype things and sure. it... And it puts that people like puts other people in a bad place like mentally with it because you don't know what to expect going yep, in yep. i will say that it is legitimately one of the most terrifying movies i've ever seen <gasps> boy that makes and me I, excited i told my mom that because i think my mom would like it or be scared by it and she was like oh yeah did you scream like she like screams when she gets scared uh-huh. and i said well there weren't there weren't any jump scares and she's like well i thought you said it was scary and i was like no no, no it's not scary like a cat jumped out at me yeah it's, it's scary like the the themes and things being presented are so horrifying Aww. and make me question my existence Ooh. that i felt a creeping dread the entire time man you're selling this to me you're selling it, it was, hard it was so good Ooh. it was so upsetting there's a part in it that made me want to throw up i was crying so hard <gasps> it was so good nice I want you to see it so badly. I'm, I'm going to. I am going to. It's just a matter of when. <laughs> you made that sound so dramatic. I love it. <laughs> well, 
Well, because we, we were like totally. It's been like last weekend we were totally planning on it, and then uh, plans changed, and now yeah. this weekend we were planning on it, but now Brandon's not feeling well, so it's like I don't know when I'm gonna see it, but I gotta see it because I can start participating in the conversation about it. I so. I, I haven't really. Zach and I talked quite a bit about it because he was like blown away as well. He didn't like it as much as me. Okay. He said he preferred like the witch. He kept okay. he kept saying well like well I don't know but there's there's an, a level of like I, I, this isn't really spoiling anything but a lot of horror movies are very like they can be very ambiguous yeah like well did this happen or did that happen sure, which you I know? which I like when done well I I and I I do like that as well unfortunately it's not done well a lot very so true. it's just kind of like ooh this one there's no this ambiguity. is not an ambiguous yeah it's okay. it's. It's it's about what it's about, or at least in my opinion, it is. Maybe oh. it's ambiguous in that way. Okay. Uh, I just loved it. Ooh, okay, that's awesome. Okay, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm scared to watch it again. I was Ooh. like, oh, I think I want to buy that when it comes out, and I was like, no, I'm too scared. Oh, <laughs> it was so scary. That's adorable. <laughs> um, so we saw we followed that up the next day. So we were like, we need to make up for all these movies we're missing. We followed it up with Ocean's 8. Oh, what did you think? Another I movie wish, I was planning on going to see, but did I not get to. I wish it was better. Aww. It should have been, been better. Damn. They were, like, fun. Like, it wasn't fun. That was the thing. Like, I like Ocean's 11. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. I thought, I thought that movie was real fun. And this, this unfortunately, lacks that, like, playfulness. And, like, mm. like there is, like, like a big, like, didn't twist. Like, you thought it, this was happening, but guess what? Kind of like Ocean's Eleven did. But right. It was, I saw it coming like a mm. Mack truck. Like, I was like, well, yeah, that's what's happening. And, like, obviously everybody looked cool, and Kate sure. Lynch looked cool, and Mindy Kaling was adorable. And, like, like all the pieces were there, but for some reason they weren't, like, fitting together. Into yeah. something. That's a shame. It is a shame. Eh, I don't know. I'm glad I saw it, though. Um got two more saw um blockers i heard really good things about it it's so funny yeah it's that was one when like i think i didn't even see maybe i saw a preview but like i saw the poster for it and like realized what it was and i was like oh fuck this movie because it just seemed so patriarchal and so like oh a dad who doesn't want his daughter having sex and the whole movie's gonna be about that and then everything i heard about it was like no it's delightful and it's a female director and all that they address it. I mean, that's the setup, and they address that issue repeatedly nice. yeah. throughout it. Um, I don't know if it's out yet. Like, I was going to say, yeah, I, I don't think it's on DVD yet, but it's got to be soon. We saw it at, like, the like the really kind of crappy second-run theater. Oh, wow. Like, you have one of those? Like, it's just, it's, like, bottom of the barrel. I like, want to no, live somewhere we, like that. I don't have a second-run theater. It, it's not really any cheaper. It's just, like, hey, guys... We got like these movies that <laughs> have been see out it a week six. before it hits Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it like almost overlaps with what they have to what is on like at Redbox. <laughs> it's weird, but yeah. when it's a when it's a va- it was so funny. Nice. Um, and it was it was not like it wasn't he- you know I don't like Dick Dick and Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not my humor. It really know. isn't doesn't rely heavily on that. The girls in it are delightful. Nice. Um. The one and the, girl I know, it's the girl from Paranormal Activity 4 this, and Pretty Little Liars. This is Liars. why we're friends. Oh, this is why we're Liars. friends. Big Little Lies. 
This is why we're friends, because I was yeah. just going to tell you that that blonde girl was the girl <laughs> from Paranormal Activity 4. One of my favorite Paranormal Activities. <laughs> oh, I know it's one of your favorites. <laughs> I was so excited to see her, because I guess somehow I had missed that she mm-hmm. was in it. I don't know. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> um, and then I watched Gemini. Do you, Gem- do you remember this movie being advertised wait, at all? Wait, wait. Gem- Gemini, like the horoscope, or Gem and I, like my gem and the rockers plus myself the first one that you okay, said, okay. The gemini. wait what is gem that sounds vaguely it's, familiar it was like billed as like a neo-noir like like set in la okay. and it's got a zoe kravitz, uh, zoe kravitz I see. In it. yep okay. and like it's kind of like a whodunit and like i don't know it was interesting okay i, I would think I, yeah. I wonder what you would think of it Okay, I will keep my eye out for it. Um, it again, it was a little bit like, oh, that's what this was about. Hmm. Interesting. Which, again, it's all these really like solid starts that kind of just peter out, oh, and you're like, yeah. oh. Um, but I am glad that I saw it. I tried to like lean heavy into like movies about ladies or movies directed mm-hmm. by ladies. I yeah. don't know. It no, makes um, me feel good. It's I'm I try that when I can. The world so is slowly is, making that easier for us, but a la- yeah, I mean my even my recommend. Yep, is is good. Nice a, a lady in it. So <laughs> you know there was a, a lady birth the director at some point. So that counts for yeah, something, right? That's true. That has to be something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is that everything on your end? That is everything worth talking about. Okay. <laughs> All right, so my movie list. Let's see what I got. Um, uh, okay, so uh, you want to feel great about the world. Um, I finally got around to this. Now, I was so excited for it because it's one of my favorite books, and I don't have Hulu, so I didn't get to watch it last year, but finally the discs came on Netflix, and there's something very odd about getting discs for a Hulu series from Netflix. Uh-huh. But I finally watched The Handmaid's Tale Season 1. <gasps> And now I want to blow my brains out. Season two, can I tell you that season two has done something to me? In a good way or a bad way? I have, I've, I don't remember, maybe during Lost or Battlestar Galactica is the last time I remember yelling at the TV so much. I just will straight up scream at characters. I will just start, like, dry heaving yeah. at some points. So did you enjoy it? Oh, I did. Like, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic show. It's got a sickening cast. Everybody's great. The look of it is really on point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I had read the book in high school and then about oh, maybe four years ago, I randomly decided, like, I wanted to go back and reread books I read in high school that I had that just to see, like, oh, what is it like to read 1984? Now, what's it like to read The Handmaid's Tale now? And I watched both of them. And, like, it was one of those I read both of them that I'm like, I need to stop this because apparently everything I read in high school is coming true and it's horrifying. Um, But so I like, and I'm a huge Margaret Atwood fan. Like, I read everything she publishes. I I love her stuff. And so when I saw, like, oh, they're making a series of it. Oh, with Elizabeth Moss and with Joseph Fiennes and this, this and this and this. And then I watched it and it's fantastic. Uh, Yeah, I love it. It's just incredibly upsetting uh at this particularly particular moment in time in america yeah it i it, i agree with you i will say that this season for me is upsetting but in a different way 
Okay. I think it's not so upsetting because I'm like, look, it's a slippery slope. Mm. We could end up like this at any time. It's upsetting because for me because I'm really invested in the characters at this point. Sure. Um, and my favorite character, and look, I get it. My favorite character is actually Serena. Oh, Serena yeah. is my favorite character. Yeah. Ever of all time, maybe. I just love her so much. <laughs> and there's been so much of her in this new season. That's exciting, because um, I do really like what... it's. That's like, really, of, of all the changes they made from book to the show, from season one, because it's very faithful to the book, mm-hmm. one of the big the biggest things, and I remember even seeing the casting for it, I'm like, whoa, because Serena in the book is, like, in her 50s, and she's supposed to be a former, like, TV Tammy Faye Baker kind of, mm-hmm. like, Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw, like, that they cast this, like, young, beautiful blonde, I was like, well, that's not a choice. And then the one big thing they changed in season one was that, you know, no, she has a very, she's still this kind of you know, figurehead of conservatism, but in a very different way. And I was like, ooh, that's really interesting. And I re- and I was hoping they go deeper into that. So I'm yeah. glad to hear you say that. I was disappointed that they didn't do yeah. more with her. Um, I like I like her a lot, and I like I like Moira quite a bit. Oh, and, yeah, of course. And it's, it's fun to see, not fun, it's deeply upsetting and troubling to see the, the, the characters, you know, develop and stuff. So I'm watching it as it, gets released this time i didn't okay. for the first season yeah. i like kind of binged it and then <laughs> but That's... now i'm like week to week i'm like waiting like wednesday comes and i'm like boom let's do it it's literally the only thing i'm watching right now i'm not watching any other tv shows but i will wait i'll be like oh okay yep it's available i'm gonna grab it <laughs> like it's it's so good and i can't wait for you to see season two because i have so many things I want to say and I don't have anything to anybody to say them to. Like I have so many complex feelings about the things that have been happening in this season. I get so mad. Mm. Like at just these fictional characters. I get so mad. Yeah. Yeah. The I, I was so I got the Netflix discs and the way they broke it down was the first two discs had four episodes each and then the last disc had two. Mm-hmm. Which is terrible. Why could they not have done it three, three, and four, whatever? Yeah. But it was because it made it so hard because, like, I'd get the disc and, you know, I do one disc at a time with Netflix. And typically, the way, you know, the way my job is, the way I'm moving around, like, it's, I can watch a disc on the weekends. I can't really mm-hmm. watch a disc in the morning before work or at nighttime yeah. after work because I'm doing other stuff and going to bed early. And so it's like Sunday and we're not doing anything and Brandon's like out and I'm like, okay, let me start The Handmaid's Tale. And then I would watch all four episodes. And the next mm-hmm. Sunday I did the same thing. And boy, that's a really great feeling to like Brandon came home from the gym and he said, because he went to the gym and I was sitting there watching the show and he, by the time he came back, I was still sitting there watching it. He's like, hey, so um, are, are you okay? I'm like, not particularly, but Aww. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's yeah. Really, really good show. And, and I love Ann Dowd too. So I'm always happy to see her oh, get some meaty stuff. She's my, my favorite person. Oh, she's I just amazing. get so yeah. excited when yep. I see her and yep. stuff. Me too. Me too. Oh, yeah. She showed up or was in a trailer for something, and I, I hit Zach so hard, he gave me a dirty look. Like, I got so excited, <laughs> I whacked him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Because she was in The Leftovers, which I did not enjoy, but I, except for her. Right. I enjoyed her quite a bit in that. And obviously she was in that compliance movie that's really good. Oh, yeah. It's funny, I always get, I mean, everybody does, but it gets her and Margot Martindale confused. And... It's not just because they are, like, physically very similar. It's yeah. also that 
and Dowd was in compliance, which is this really complicated, mm-hmm. um, you know, complicated role in this dark, complicated indie film. And Margot Martindale was in um, an indie film called Scalene, which comes up because one of the girls from Virgin Suicides was in that. And it's a similar kind of role where it's like this also same same type of character morally, like you want to root for her, but then you kind of can't. And so mm-hmm. I always get the two confused. And part of it is because they've both done like the same caliber of great work in similar style things. But yeah. Yeah. So they had my I have to I have to look her up because I don't know who that is. Oh, yeah, yes, you do. <laughs> she was the um, the late she was in Dexter. She was in Dexter. And then yeah, she, the key lamp then, pie. Yep. Yeah. That's how I that's how I remember her Fair. because I just felt like oh she's from Dexter yeah. but I, oh, you're a hundred percent right oh yeah yeah as I usually am you I know, know. why did I even need oh wait, and she's she's Ma Beagle in the Duck the new Ducktales show oh fun I love that show you know what else I'm a hundred percent right about what that the best franchise currently still rolling right now in the world is the Stalked by My Doctor franchise airing on Lifetime oh, you. <laughs> Part three, Patience Revenge, Eric Roberts Returns. Oh, this was so good. Christine, it was so good. Yes. I, I have to, you know what? I have to believe you. You Okay, so you can watch, you don't have to watch, part two was good, but like, you don't have to watch part two. You can watch part one, and then you can jump to part three, Patience Revenge. So P- Patience Revenge, the patient from part one, comes back for revenge. and It's like, all right there in the title. But meanwhile, like, nobody believes her. Uh, because he was able to get out of, um, like, he, he was found not guilty of kidnapping and trying to kill and rape this young woman who he totally kidnapped and tried to kill and rape. Uh, but so he was found not guilty. And so, like, now Sophie, the character from scene, part one, uh, seems crazy. And so it's like, it has this little bit of an element of, like, Me Too, quote of, like, hashtag Me Too going on. Because, mm-hmm. like, nobody believes her, so she's being gaslit. But meanwhile, he's, like, really trying to start new and he's, like, actually doing good, but she comes and she's like no 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 like publicly shaming him so then it's like oh well you know do we give people second chances i don't know but then like crazy shit happens and it's fantastic and you need to watch stock my doctor patience revenge okay okay um (laughs) on netflix instant i decide so here's the thing um okay sometimes like you think like you know okay what's what's your go-to like gym movie when you go to the gym like what kind of movie do you watch if you watch a movie at the gym um i used to watch tv shows okay at the gym i i actually watched the entire um coven season of american horror story <laughs> i still call it coven uh yeah like there's a certain type of thing you want when you go to the gym right and i'm similar like a lot of times i like tv mm-hmm. i like but i like things that move so like action movies oh of course something that's gonna keep your attention yeah or like anything that's gonna make me move faster um so i was all excited because i'm like you know like you know i it's weird it's been so long since i've been in the mood for a zombie movie but i'm like you know i kind of want to watch like an action-packed zombie movie at the gym and i had heard of a zombie movie that everybody said was good and i assumed it was like an action-packed zombie movie and i go to the gym and i'm on the elliptical for 45 minutes and it was very it was very much a letdown because this was a movie that was a good movie, but it was not action-packed, and it wasn't even zombies. And so for 45 minutes, I'm watching character development, which I was not did not sign up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, Jerusalem, with a Z, is actually pretty good. Oh, yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, it's, it's good. 
Uh, I'm it's, okay it's, with it's it. The Google Glasses movie where two girls go to Israel yep. and one of them's filming the whole movie in her Google Glasses, which you cannot say without sounding like they're you're having a stroke. Yeah. Uh, but it had like a cool. I liked what it did. I mean, the scenery was it was a cool like. Oh, I've never seen a movie set here in this kind of style, uh, and it. You know, it's it is not a zombie movie at all. It's more of a kind of demon plague movie, but even that's very a subtle part of it. So I'm like, wow, this is fresh. It's actually doing some really interesting, neat, slightly different mm-hmm, things or mm-hmm. something. I just wish I knew that going into it, because then I wouldn't have watched it at the gym. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a few points like when it gets going, it it goes. Yeah, but it's not like that way all the way through for sure. No. no. So just be careful, people. Just know what you're getting into before you get on that elliptical, is all I'm saying. Uh, I went to the theater. Okay. Uh, with my husband. And I was very like, I could I could see this movie or I could not see this movie. But if you want to see it, all right, fine, I'll go see it with you. And that was, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it because it's not in the theaters anymore. Uh, a little movie called Solo. Oh, yeah. I didn't get to see it. Yeah. Um, I, it was fine. I, like many, I had pretty low expectations going in. Um, It definitely rose above my expectations. It was enjoyable, but never, you know, never over. Like, I I don't think I teared up once, and I feel like I I have in every other Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, minus prequels. The, (laughs) uh, yeah, like, I just, it was hard to get overly invested. Yeah. I thought the actual visuals were really underwhelming. We saw it in 3D just because that was a time that made sense. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, like there is a scene where they are in a in the Millennium Falcon and there is a space octopus and that is exactly what it is. It is a space octopus that is like, you know, curling around them and they're trying to fly around it. And at one point watching this, I took my glasses off cuz I'm like, are they broken? Because how am I <laughs> how am I watching a space that's not a good sign. That is not, like, going all around me. Like, what, something's wrong here. But no, they were fine. Like, it's just a really flat movie in many ways. Um, and then the, the, the main problem I had with it is that it, in its final act, it adds a bit of a plot complication that was clearly thrown in there because yeah. they thought they were making another movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's unsatisfying because it comes out of nowhere and it's just not like it was one of those like, oh, I didn't really need this twist. It doesn't do anything for the movie. And now they are, as of now, they are probably not making another one. So now it's just going to like kind of sit there awkwardly for all time, if you will. So, you know, I mean, it was still like, it was fine. Like it was funner than I thought it would be because I was really Mm -hmm. concerned it wasn't going to be. Um, I chuckled a lot, I think. Oh, that's good. So yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to talk down about it, but like it just, it was ultimately fine, but unsatisfying, if you will. That feels to me like a movie I would watch on an airplane. Yeah. I think that is the right way to go about it. Like, I would go, like, oh, this movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, like, uh, oh, you know, I got some laundry to fold. I got some toenails to clip. Like, yeah, what, what can yeah. I put on in the background? Like, it's that. Yeah. Or maybe even a gym movie. This would probably be a good gym movie. Yeah. People run. There you go. Hey, that's good. Uh, okay. Moving on. So, <laughs> this is a movie I guarantee you haven't seen. I guarantee most people in the world haven't seen. Um, from, like, 1998. Nine, I think. This is a movie called On Edge. 
Yeah, I don't even know what that is. No. I was really hoping I'd be able to say, you're burnt. I did see that. I but... know you have not. Uh, <laughs> it's a sports movie. What what sport do you think it could be on Edge? Keep in I mind. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. I was going to say, keep in mind, it's me talking about it. Yes. How is that even a game? Of <laughs> it's, course it's, it's, a, a it's you and it's <laughs> cold on Edge. <laughs> so, okay, we we reviewed Drop Dead Gorgeous a couple months ago. Yes. Basically, On Edge is somebody watched Drop Dead Gorgeous and said, what if I did the same thing about figure skating? Uh-huh. So it is a mockumentary about female figure skaters. And this movie is just, I don't understand how nobody has ever talked about it before. Because you have this crazy cast. Jason Alexander is in it. Um, AJ weird. Langer from My So-Called Life. Yeah. Uh, she basically plays like the Tanya Harding-esque character. Not Marissa Joan Riddick. The girl from Nikki Blotsky. So the girl in Hairspray who then got into a fight with Bianca from America's Next Top Model in an airport. Oh, I don't know who that is. I wish I knew your references. Did you not know that that was a thing? Okay. So the movie Hairspray, not the Ricky Lake one, but the musical remake Hairspray. Yeah. The lead actress from that, I think her name is Nikki Blotsky or Nikki Blonsky. Um, so she's in On Edge, she plays a figure skater, but more importantly, in like 2006, she was at an airport with her dad, and Bianca, from one of the seasons of America's Next Top Model, was also at the airport, and they got into a fist fight somehow and both got arrested. That has nothing to do with this movie. That's so weird. But it's one of my favorite random celebrity gossip things that has ever happened in the world. Um... Oh god, there's a bunch of Wendy Malick is in this. Kathy oh, Griffith is in this. Like, it's just this really bizarrely like, whoa, who who did this? Did they? What kind of blackmail did they have on this cast to get them in this movie? Um, there's a couple of figure skaters that are in there in cameos. Scott Hamilton, like they just let him act, and mm-hmm. it's really strange and uncomfortable because he's they give him like false teeth, and it's just a very odd thing. Um, it, you know, for figure skating fans, it's certainly something, but this is not a very good movie overall. There's a reason nobody has ever heard of it. It's really, mm-hmm. really cheap. It feels like it was made for $5 and again, or I don't know, it was made for $5 because they spent all the money in the budget on blackmailing the actors to be in it. That being said, if you are like me and love everything about figure skating, why have you not seen it? You should see it for that reason. Um... All right, I got three more. One okay. on Netflix, uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin, An Evening You Will Forget for the Rest of Your Life. Ah, uh, yes. Have not watched it. It has it started to autoplay a bunch of times. So. Oh, it's charming. It is as charming as you would think. Uh, we, we both laughed quite a bit. Uh, they sing. They do tricks. They do delightful comedy. It is delightful, and I hardly, heartily recommend it. Uh, then also on Netflix Instant, another movie. I watched the first half of the gym, and what was I thinking? You never watch the first half of a shark attack movie at a gym. You watch the <laughs> second half of a shark attack movie at a gym. But even that half wouldn't have been that interesting. And this was Know the Shallows, I'll tell you that much. I am talking about the other shark movie that was not The Shallows, but The Deeps, 47 Meters Down. Oh, I liked that movie. I just kept thinking, I like The Shallows more. It was really hard not to compare them. I don't know. I it, yes, yes, it, yes. Right? Yeah. I get. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I I just feel like I I loved it. Oh. You like really liked it. So I much did really like it. it. 
Did you like it less than The Shallows? No, because I really liked The Shallows. Me too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought it was good. It wasn't bad. I wish every movie was as good as that movie. Me, yeah, but that was the thing. I was like, I'm watching this movie thinking to myself, I never thought it possible that I would find myself thinking Blake Lively was a more interesting character than, like, than fill in the blank than a ghost like I don't you know like but I just I don't know it was it was hard to be like I don't really like these girls I don't really care about them I don't I'm not that invested in them being underwater mm-hmm. it's very dark so yeah I don't know it was all right oh but... I was really I was in I was sold yeah yeah no I wanted to be but I just wasn't and then it ended very abruptly which I was not a fan of it did, that is true it yeah. 100% did mm, yeah uh, and then the last thing I watched, because I was, because it was something I'd never seen, and I, you know, after, or before, I think it was after watching Virgin Suicides, I'm like, oh, you know, I should watch this other um, big Sofia Coppola movie, and that was Marie Antoinette, which is on Netflix uh, Instant now. Yes, I've never seen it. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, hard to say. I watched it, it was like one of those, it's fairly long, it's a, like a little bit under two hours, and it was one where I, so I watched it, like, going to work. I watched it coming back from work. I watched it the next day going to work. Like, it was broken up into chapters in a way, which made it maybe better than if I just sat down and watched it. Uh-huh. Because, um, I mean, it was, it was, I enjoyed watching it. I don't know if it was good. Um, I think it makes, it does some interesting things, but... I don't know where, where like, my quality of film, I have no idea what I'd give it, but my quality of life, yeah, it was positive, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's everything I've been watching. That's a pretty good list. Yeah, you know, it's something. It's something. Uh, but now, we're gonna, we're gonna dive into, um, our morose feelings of teenage dumb. Do you want to go to Australia first, or Detroit? <sighs> Let's do it chronologically. Okay, so... That means we'll be back in 14 hours after we fly down under. Down under. Under. (laughs) Crocodiles. Eh? Yeah, that's going to happen. It's a beautiful day for an anti-polio picnic. Picnic. It's a beautiful day to get a polio shot. A brave new world in store for picturesque post-war ball. If you value the use of your legs, you've come to the right spot. I'm proud to say that the Baltimore Women's Club has come out against polio by a vote of 56 to 8. Yay! What a wonderful time to be a teenage conformist. Conformist. What a wonderful time to be what's known as a square. You can't be too careful. In 1975, Peter Ware... Weir? Ware? Do we know how to say his name? Ware? Peter Ware? Yeah, it's probably... Peter everywhere. That's probably what I would do. Yeah, all right. So he makes Picnic at Hanging Rock, which was based on a novel by Joan Lindsay, which from... I think the novel was written in like 68 or 69. So it was a fairly Mm -hmm. new novel. 
Um, when the novel came out in Australia, my understanding is that it was a huge hit in Australia. And like I said, I actually really enjoyed the book. Um, the film is pretty faithful to the book. The miniseries is faithful to an extent, but because it has more time to fill, it also spins some other storylines in there that aren't there. So mm-hmm. this was a case where I'd seen this movie several times, um, always found it very effective and just something, I think there is something really special and magnetic about this movie. Um, revisiting it this time with the way it might Did order. I lose you? Oh, damn it. Oh, so Picking at Hanging Rock. Novel is popular in Australia. I liked the novel. What yes. I did this time was I watched the new miniseries, then I read the book, then I went back and watched this one. Mm-hmm. I think that was a bad idea. Really? <laughs> yeah, because it, what always happens when you, and this is true of anything, when you read the book and then watch a movie, but even mm-hmm. more so when you watch a six-hour version of a story and then read the book and then watch a hundred-minute version of the story. Yeah is that it was hard to watch the film this time without just kind of thinking of it as sort of a, um, like, skeleton version of what was in the other two. Mm-hmm. Because it has to be. I mean, it's a 90-minute it's a movie, and it's, even with uh, with that brief running time, it's still pretty, you know, plotless in a sense. Not much happens, so it's a lot about the feelings and, you know, kind of more the the tone and everything. So mm-hmm. it was just a weird experience. Um, and while I really do recommend all three tellings of the story, I don't recommend experiencing all three of them together so closely. <laughs> I, I think that sounds smart. Wow. Don't do that. No, no. Uh, why don't we first start by having you give a summary of the movie? Oh, boy, oh, That's boy. what people pay the money for, you know. That's what people actually download this this podcast to hear. Uh, well, thank you, everyone. Um, <laughs> so there's this school, this, like, old-timey school where girls do, like, squats and, I don't know. Like, I don't know what <laughs> they do, what they learn. Where become ladies. They learn there how was, to become ladies, I think. There was, like, this weird, like... Like, they have art class. I don't know. It was. It didn't seem like a type, type of place I would want Yeah, they're be. basically being groomed to be wives of wealthy men. I mean, that sounds fun. But like, God, that does not. <laughs> some of that other stuff doesn't sound fun. But, um, so they go on a picnic at Hanging Rock, <laughs> incidentally. And, um, three of them and a teacher? Yes. Disappear. Um... And they come back real late, and the late the main lady's real mad at them. And then they're like, "But a bunch of people got lost, and we just left them there." And it was like, "What happened?" And so everybody starts looking, and they don't find bodies. But then other stuff happens, and then something else happens, and then it ends. <laughs> yeah, um, it's about missing girls up like at this like weird like rock type thing in Australia. Also, the dude from um, Wolf Creek. Wolf- isn't it looking pretty yeah. hot if you ask me oh yeah well i mean do you find him attractive as um wolf creek killer no not really i mean no. he has pretty eyes i see within him this very young man it's like if i could just change him you know i think i could really fix him 
and make him if stop he was raping people. Completely different. Then I would. I think he and I would get get on like a house on fire. Yeah. Uh, it's it is. It's. I mean, John Jarrett is the actor. And I remember, like, when I realized, because I'd seen, I probably saw Wolf Creek before I ever saw this, and then when I realized who it was, it was this, like, whoa, that, like, changes the movie. Because I think even in Wolf Creek, we talked a little bit about this with, um, like, Mungo, that in Wolf Creek, there's a, when they're at the giant crater all of their watches stop also like and i yeah. always wondered i'm like oh i wonder if that was like a little bit of a nod to hanging rock especially because john jarrett is in there or maybe it was just huh. a coincidence maybe it's just that that really happens when you're like around when you're with the magnets right that's uh, interesting yeah why do you think that is that the physically that it happens or that they yeah. would have well like well why did it happen tell me why it happened in in picnic at hanging rock Yes. Well, I mean, we don't know anything. Look, Emily, explain to me what this movie was about. So again, here's (laughs) a case. Uh, I'm going to start with the novel, because that's where where it all begins. And, like, the novel actually... Uh, has, is a, has a really interesting story to it. It's a... So Joan Lindsay wrote it when she was, I think, in her 50s or so. And, like... She, I need to read more about her because she sounds like a really fun broad. She was an artist, like more of a painter. And I think she was like pretty modern. Mm -hmm. And um, she wrote this when she was, I think this was her only novel. I might be wrong about that. But she wrote this like when she was into her her 50s or so. Like she was older. And Mm -hmm. the book is fun. And like the book has kind of like a, a neat little sense of humor about it too. But what what happened when she when this book was published was it was kind of like it was a big deal and like it became I'm trying to think of what the equivalent was but it almost like the gone girl maybe of its time mm-hmm. where it seemed like it was a really popular book and everybody became kind of fascinated and obsessed with oh my god what happened to the girls mm-hmm. and nothing happened because it's a made up fictional story but what Joan Lindsay kind of did, and whether this was just her kind of trolling the media at the time, or if she just thought it was fun to do or what, was she kind of didn't say it was it was not a true story. And the book is written in such a way where, it, where the book is very much as if um, it's somebody, in, not it's not like Carrie where it's like interviews with people, but it, it kind of is written in the present tense of well, you know, what this character says now about this and everything. So it, the book is written in such a way where it feels like it, it is told in the style of a true story. Yeah. And she was just kind of very, like, sort of, like, coy and trickstery about saying, like, well, you know, I know what happened, but I won't tell anyone. Like, mm-hmm. well, of course mm-hmm. I know who the girls were. And it's like, which is just kind of like a neat, I don't know, I, I kind of dig that. Um, and, like, then there's, like, little weird things about it that I guess became very big sort of like haunted culture of Australia. Like uh-huh. the, the book is set ni- in Valentine's Day in the year 1900 in, on a Saturday. But apparently like in 1900 Valentine's Day fell on a Tuesday. What does that mean? Does that mean it had something to do with a time warp or what? Uh the book originally she ended the book with a chapter that kind of explained what happened. And her editors said take that out like you you don't need to do that the book is good enough take that last chapter out it's going to do better and she she had no problem with she's like yeah okay you're right um 
and what's cool is the edition of the book I had. It's the Penguin Classic, so it's like the common version if you were to buy it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, the introduction, I forget who wrote it, but it's just somebody like talking about the book, and she and the, the person ends it with like, "Let's raise our glass to, you know, to mystery and to this, and to editors who know what they're doing, and to writers who know when to listen to them." <laughs> Which is just to me like. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, again, like, it made me this go around, and it may have just been because I kind of really found the book um, enjoyable to read. It kind of made it hard to put, to pair it next to this modern remake and Mm -hmm. this film and to kind of see where everything fell. It's hard for me to think of one without the other. Yeah. Um, What is this movie about? I think if you boil it down, I think this movie is about... Many things. I think a lot of it is just um, repression, right? And because this mm-hmm. that is something that I think this movie does extremely well is the awful sense of Victorianism and how suffocating life is when you can't when you have these societal rules that just keep you from experiencing life the way you should. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, and I, and the, I mean, again, all three make a point of, you know, these girls are, are riding from this very posh finishing, finishing school to this very natural wonder that nobody can understand that has all this natural history to thousands of years of history to it. And here are these tiny humans who have been on the planet for a minuscule amount of time. And here they are in their lacy dresses and pantaloons. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not allowed to take their hats off. Maybe they can take their gloves off, but only after they get past a certain point. Um, And so, you know, then these teenage girls who should be in the prime of understanding their sexuality and their bodies and all this stuff that it takes them really going deeper and deeper into this natural haunted place for them to maybe be free, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's what I always get from it. Ugh, I wish I got that more. Mm. I wish it was like a, like a stronger theme. Yeah. So what did, um, something, I'll talk a little bit about the miniseries, because I think it does a few things different that are very specific about maybe driving certain points harder. So Mm -hmm. tell me first, in the Peter Weir film, what do you, who, okay, here's a question. Whose story do you think it is? If you had to pick whose story it was. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) I ask the hard-hitting questions here on the Feminine Critique. It was it was very unfocused in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, they I don't remember any of the characters' names. The the orphan with the brown hair. Sarah. Like for yes, for a minute I thought it was going to be about her, mm-hmm. and then the main girl who disappears, the one that she Miranda. is her her friend. I thought it was going to be about her, and then it seemed to be about the lady who owned the school, mm-hmm. and then it, they spent a lot of time with the French lady. But it was also from the point of view of the two guys, one of them being Wolf Creek. Mm-hmm. And that like and then you you see the perspective of the maid. Like, I think that might have been one of my problems with it. It was sure. it was very it was very unfocused in that regard. Like I think it's interesting how different people reacted to the disappearances, you yeah. know? But and I think you could do that in a less jumbly way. Mm-hmm. 
like where it just keeps jumping from person to person so like you never really are able to connect with anybody yeah i think that's fair uh and it's part of the reason i realize now why i asked that is because i think that's also a big part of virgin suicides is it's a constant question oh boy whose story is this is this this the girl's story or is this the boy's story and i, I have some opinions oh, about I'm that sure you do um and i think again like as i ask the question i don't have an answer either like because i think you know kind of the i don't even want to say the soul of the movie but the movie i think ultimately begins and ends with miranda but we don't we never really know miranda right mm-hmm. that's part of what she is is she is kind of this enigma that there's something about this young woman who is just the epitome of um youth and um i don't want to say sexuality but it's something of like this is she like she should be running in a field and we should all be like watching her do it mm-hmm. and it's her that everything kind of gravitates around right so that's where where sarah kind of fits into the story and how the one boy i think it's is it tom or is it um uh other dude yeah i think it's the other dude and uh michael michael right yeah michael um how you know michael is just fixated on on miranda and it's not that he's in love with her or finds her you know that he Although, I mean, there are some interpretations that, like, oh, maybe he killed her, or maybe he killed them, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's it. But that there's something, he's infatuated, there's something about her, about, you know, seeing her jump over a rock in her bare feet that just really opens him up in a way, because he's coming from this stuffy society of rich people in Victorian era. And... But having said that, it's still, you know, we, we we never know a thing about Miranda. What the miniseries does, so the miniseries kind of digs a little deeper into um, the, the really all the characters, but especially the girls. Yeah. And so it, and I think on one hand, I think it works because for six hours, you kind of need more. You can't just watch an enigma for, for sure. six hours. Yeah. Um, so the character Miranda in that telling is basically a tomboy who gr- grows up on a farm but has brothers and has been sent to this finishing school because she is going to be married off at some point. And all she wants to do is run a farm and ride horses and like live mm-hmm. in the wild, but she has been she's being kind of, you know, shoehorned into this very Victorian era v- version of what a woman should be. And then the um the character who, uh, not oh Irma, the character who Ugh, is so comes obnoxious. Back. So what did you? So what were your thoughts on? Wait, are you thinking of Irma? Or are you thinking of um, who's the obnoxious? Character? Oh no, Irma was fine. No, You're I'm thinking, thinking of Edith. Of the real... Yeah, <laughs> Edith. <Yes>. So <laughs> obnoxious. <laughs> um, Edith is awful. Uh, yep. In the miniseries, I think what they did well with her is she's just a little bit younger, so she's still awful but she just feels a little bit more like oh that's because she's like 13 so she's kind of terrible in the book she's somehow worse than everything like she's just everything is um so did you read jurassic park the novel no back in the day okay maybe a lot of people out there read jurassic park folks if you've read jurassic park you know what i'm talking about when i say um 
the little girl is like one of the worst characters in the history of literature because every word out of, out of her mouth is a complaint she does nothing of use in the movie thankfully they made her like a hacker and they made her cool and that's fine but in the book she is one of those characters that you're like this is the worst human being that has ever been born she needs to get eaten by dinosaurs that's how edith is written <laughs> in the book like she needs to get e- eaten by dinosaurs as well um book also adds a lesbian subtext or not the book uh-huh. the, the mini series as a lesbian subtext where marion who we really learn nothing about in the movie um is they they do a, a neat twist on her where she is the kind of illegitimate daughter of a judge so she is of darker skin so she is never going to fit into high society but she's uh-huh. really really super smart um, and she is in love with the teacher, and the teacher is in love with her, and so that's kind of why they disappear in the miniseries version. So you can see, differences abound, and the other big difference is Natalie Dormer plays the headmistress, and Natalie Dormer is obviously like 35, not in her 60s. Yeah. And that's a big... It, it's not that her... her like she, That character actually still in this miniseries still could have been played by an older actress, um, but it's more that she has all these mysteries to herself, which is good because it's Natalie Dormer and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and Irma is played by Chick from the Babysitter, who is Mr. Smith's niece. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samira, Samira Weaving, Samara Weaving, I think. Is yeah, yeah, I know exactly who you mean. And she also ends up being a really interesting character in the miniseries because basically she is the rich beauty and yet she is not somehow she is still very um jealous of and uh kind of at odds with miranda that they end up sort of representing two very different things um so the miniseries i think is really worth watching i'm talking a lot Mm -hmm. about the miniseries but i think it's just um, you know, it's 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 a really it's a different interpretation of everything. It does some some really interesting things. I think it falters a bit. I don't think it's perfect, um, but it's well worth a watch and it's gorgeous to look at. So there's that. Now the movie. Back to the movie. Back to the movie. Back to the movie. Did you recognize who played the maid mini? No, I didn't. It's Jackie Weaver. Why do I know her? Um, she. Oh, she, I mean, she's been an Australian actress forever. When you, if you look at her and listen to her voice, you would recognize her. She was in that. Um, Wait a second, you know I'm going to look her up because she was I in think Silver I Linings Playbook. She played um, uh, Bradley Cooper's mom. Shut your mouth! She was I think I know Stoker. exactly. Who you're talking she was about. in Stoker. She was. Uh, she was the the aunt. aunt. Yes. Yep. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Really? That's yes. who that was. Yes, and she's so cute, and like she's so young, and and. She's- so young and she's kind of like the best character in the movie because she's just like a happy maid and you know she's she's the only person having sex in this movie so good on her for that uh she just showed up in the trailer for something and i went fuck you she's in that i'm totally (laughs) watching it yeah she's oh it's it's a show called secret city i got so excited the trailer was like auto played on on netflix i think and I got super jazzed when I saw her pop up. I had no idea that was her. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she has a very distinct. It's both her. It's her look, her eyes, I guess, and then her voice also has this, is like a really like rich sounding voice that you recognize. Um, but yeah, she's she's adorable in this. She's a little little maid who's again like 
kind of the only person who isn't completely miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, man, it, life would have been really miserable if we grew up in 1900. Yeah, I don't think I would have liked it. Oh, it God. seems kind of boring. Yeah, like... There seemed to be a lot of laying around and napping. Well, and putting yourself in corsets, which... So, it, so it's the thing. If you were rich, then you spent, like, an hour getting into a corset... And then you laid around picnicking and napping. Yeah. And if you were poor, you had to do a lot of, like, cooking and cleaning. Which is... And then you still have to wear a corset, right? She was getting tied up in that thing. God. That's like, you have to... I think you have to do that to be, like, in society. Is it, like, what's the equivalent now? Is it just, like, wearing a bra? Like, where, like, you really, like, you could not do it if you didn't want to, but people would judge you harshly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Yeah, the... I don't know. This this was a movie that, like, I always had on the long list of of movies to cover. Because I'm like, oh, Picking a Rock, like, it's really, like, it's really atmospheric, and I think it's saying all these things about sexuality and repression, and I bet we compare it with something really good. And now as we're talking about it, I'm like, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about it either. I will will say, um, I, I think I have decided that I would like to read it at this point. Okay. I think this movie, I liked this movie a lot more than the person who I watched it with um, who did feel it was just extremely boring and Mm -hmm. very slow and kind of pointless and kept asking me if they, if the girls turned into a swan. (laughs) And I was like, look, I don't think so, but they're never going to tell you. So if that's what you want to believe, go for it. And like, I just wish it would, was about, I like so much of the ideas in it that I wish it had been more about like the repression and the sexuality and like the, the, you know, womanhood and coming into womanhood and understanding your place in the world as a woman and understanding the freedom of nature. There's some like really interesting parallels that could be um, drawn to like Mm -hmm. witchcraft and stuff like that. But, and also then like the, the, it's a, it's kind of a small town and then the townspeople's reactions and the hysteria that came from just three full, four people just disappearing into nowhere. I wish it had been all of those things more but instead it didn't seem to really want to be any of those things yeah i mean i think one of the more interesting things but then it's so subtle is you know the the way it affects the school and just little by little like parents start taking the kids out and suddenly there's less and less kids and then you have the headmistress who like little by little she's losing it Right, she's very prim, she's very proper, she's perfectly coiffed, and then, like, every other scene you realize, like, oh, she's drinking, oh, her hair's askew, oh, she's a mess, so that by the end, you still don't see her fall apart, but, you know, you find out something has happened, we still, and in all three versions, I still don't know what happened to a character in question who has a, something happens to her, I made an assumption. But I was curious if my assumption was right. So I, I don't know what I mean. I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. I think mm-hmm. they give you suggestions that oh maybe this person did something bad or maybe this person chose something herself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's also this very again we're talking about like am- ambiguity. Like you have a ca- and this isn't really spoiling anything, but so you have the character of Sarah and you have the character of Ta- or Albert. Mm-hmm. And they're, did you get that they were brother and sister? 
Yes. Okay. And <laughs> I had to think. But yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I I'm guessing not because you're not saying yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you have these two characters who are are brother and sister, but it doesn't. They never connect in the movie. They never see each other. But there's hints of it, and it's one of those like, oh, and it, did that mean anything? Because then we we never see any kind of you know a, a resolution to that. And so it's also this sort of. And it's almost in the miniseries, it's one of those, like, it almost plays differently where it's like, oh, wow, yeah, things were really different in, in 1900. You could live a mile from your family member that you've been searching for your whole life and not find them because yeah, of the way yep. the world is. And in this case, it's just more like mystery, right? She has a dream and that might mean something, or he has a dream, it might mean something. So it's it's a lot of that, which I think works if you're in a certain type of mood, and the two other times I've watched this movie, I've been in that mood. And this time, I just wasn't. I can see that. I, uh, Yeah, I mean, I I liked it. We, we were able to watch it in one sitting, which I'm happy about. Mm-hmm. But it, and I didn't mind that it was slow and a bit plodding. I just, I, the more we talk about it, the more I just wish it had it, it tightened up a little bit. Yeah. And just picked a lane, I yep. guess. But... Yeah. I didn't dislike it at all, and I would I I would probably put it on again, just like if I was in the right mood for it, because mm-hmm. it is it I, I I just I just wish maybe they had been more deliberate about some of of, of approaching right. some of the themes. Yeah, and as I think about it, like one thing that kind of I wonder if it could have been tweaked on film. So you have three girls that go missing and a teacher mm-hmm. and one of them one of them comes back and one of the girls you know we we don't we know well in the sense that like we know we can't know her and that's Miranda and the teacher like okay we kind of get the teacher is this really really uptight older woman who is probably never masturbated like does just doesn't seem like there's anything it seems like she's either so repressed or there's just nothing there. So like, okay, I can mm-hmm. kind of get that. And then you have another character. Well, then you have, what's her name? Irma, who comes back. But then you have this other character, Marion, who we know nothing about in the film at all. And it, it kind of makes it tricky then, because then you're looking at it and you can kind of understand why the teacher is taken, maybe, or why Miranda is taken. But it's really hard to understand... M- Okay, what about that girl, Marion? Who is Marion? Mm-hmm. I don't know. She was the other girl. Okay, should I care about her? Like, and it, I guess, you know, it, it makes sense in a book. It makes sense in a longer miniseries where they give Marion a whole other subplot. But it does then just add something that isn't digestible in this running time um, that maybe keeps it from, I don't know, having that same effect. At the same time, I think the ambiguity of it is part of its charm and part of what makes yeah. it, you know, because uh, it was really, I think, I mean, it was a beloved film when it came out. I believe it was considered like the start of or one of the forerunners of the Australian New Wave and everything that came down there. Um, yeah, and again, like, if I was in a different mood, I might instead be like, totally going off on the symbolism and you know all of what this means but it was just a, it was a slog for me this, this time yeah. around yeah no oh, I get that yeah um yeah I do and like I do like the like the scene when Irma comes back and the other girls turn and look at her and just 
flip out on her. Like, I love that scene. Because it's just, like, it's kind of what I want the movie to be, maybe. More yeah. Of, you know, it's it's this other um, sense of, like, okay, so we've seen how these inner feelings are sort of manifesting in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and here's this other side to it of this anger or this jealousy or something that's inexplainable but is so powerful because teenage girls are so powerful and yeah 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 i i wish it had been more about that i know me too the more i'm saying that i'm like you're talking about a great movie that i wish i had watched but i didn't no i know I'm, i'm with you on that i am yeah uh yeah i it's it's a tricky one it, it was a really odd case to kind of come into this one at because i i don't know i i really think in two years we're gonna we're gonna be doing our doing our podcast like we do and we're gonna be doing our <laughs> recent watches and i'm gonna be like so you know what i decided to rewatch i rewatched picnic and hanging rock and you know what that movie is awesome uh, like it's it's yeah it just in this go around watching it i just couldn't summon yeah. what what had been summoned before and i don't know if that was me if that was just seeing it maybe a few too many times now if it was <laughs> taking too much of the material in i'm not sure that could that could be it i mean yeah i, I would like to read it and then look at it again okay um i think maybe it would add stuff for me because i i really do feel like that my impression of the movie this time was that it didn't it didn't have a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe I can either hone in on what the point could have been if I had a little bit more context or I could create my own point. Okay. And I'd be, I'd be just as happy doing that. Like, Oh, this is what this movie's about because I say so. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious. Um, if, and when you read the book, please uh, share your thoughts. Cause I want to hear them. Sure. All right. So do you have any more to say about picnic and hanging rock? I don't think so. I yeah. liked everybody's shoes, and that's it. <laughs> um, one other part that we didn't talk about that I think is there subtly, and it's also there subtly in the book, and it's there subtly in the miniseries, is the whole sort of um, white people in Australia invading l- invading land. Um, yeah. And there's sort of like, there's not much about the racial politics in, in any of them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously, like <laughs> like most, uh, you know, westernized countries in the world, Australia was heavily, uh, how would you say it, colonized and genocided yeah. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's little hints of that, I think, in all of them, of this whole, like, you know, um, white people invading this land that they don't understand and can't understand. And oh, I wish know. it had been more about that. I do too. Stop I know. coming up with good ideas. I know. There's like drops of it in all of them. Uh, and again, like that's where I think the book does it really subtly. Where the book like has this great description of how like the the mini mansions that rose up in Australia like a plague. Like it's just like little things where you're like, ooh, okay. It's in a book. It's like it's subtle enough that it's there but it's really biting but then mm-hmm. in both films like they really like there's one maybe aboriginal character or character of aboriginal heritage who's just kind of like they're like kind of making us that's there almost to represent like yeah you bitches don't know what you're doing that kind of thing and yeah like i i want more from everything but um yeah, I'm really curious, too, for our, our listeners, uh, your thoughts on the movie and also your thoughts if you've watched the miniseries. 
And Christine, yeah. I'm curious, if, do you think you're going to watch the miniseries? Yeah, 100%. Okay. okay. I really want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, I think you're going to find everybody's hair and hats are fabulous. <laughs> do they have great shoes? Because that's really I what I've I was not noticing the shoes. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not, I'm not a shoe person in general. Like, I, I like to be comfortable. So I have a really hard time appreciating good shoes because anytime I see a woman wearing cool shoes, I, really what I think is, oh, those have to hurt. Uh, yeah. But hats, sure. like good hats and good hair, I'm all about. And this movie's got both. Like everybody's hair, everybody's hat. Whew. Looking good. Trust me. Looking very good. <laughs> all right. Now comes to the time when oh, we got to Oh, no. We have to rate it. it. <laughs> um, so how many that hanging rocks out of 10 is your quality of film? How many stockings are you going to take off? Like pairs or single? Uh, single. Single. Yeah. Six. Some people don't have, uh, you know, two two feet. Who knows? Feet, or maybe yeah. only your right foot's cold. Who knows? So you keep your left feet, take your left foot off, but you keep the right foot on. I'm not telling you how you live your life. Um, God, I don't know. Like, again, if you'd asked me like a year ago, I'd be like, oh, this movie's like an eight and a half. But this go around, I still think it's really cool to look at. I still like the music. Yeah. Um, oh, like, yeah. The music was yeah. pretty good. Huh. It's a good, like, it's a very mood-inducing movie. Like, this is a movie that's more to me about, like, just suggesting atmosphere, and it does that with, um, you know, wooden flutes or whatever that music is. <laughs> and I think it's very effective, and I think the mm-hmm. shooting of it works out very well. Um, so I'm going to say quality of film. I'll, I'll go with like a 7.5, I think. I'll just say that because I don't know. Quality of life. I think that's solid. Yeah. Why not? We'll say that. We'll go with it. Okay. Okay. Let's go with that. Quality of life. <sighs> yeah, I know. Seven maybe? Oh, it's, that's higher than I expected. I did like it. That's the, that's the yeah. weird thing. I did like it. I I am surprised because it didn't sound like you did. No, I know, but like when I, I, I it's hard for me to pin down what exactly the movie itself was trying to do. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I was I was compelled. I didn't get bored. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like ugh checked out or anything. I just kept thinking like, what the fuck are right. you about, movie? Go deeper or 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 take stop on this one moment and expand it. Explore. Yes. Go deep. Stay with this character yeah, for a while. Yeah, I want to learn more about Minnie the Maid. Um, yeah, quality of life. I mean, I'm going to go pretty high because I feel like this was one of those movies that um, I watched early in my, like, oh, I like movies. Like, I, I really, you know what? I really like movies. And I'm going to spend next good part of my free time actually watching movies and caring about them and stuff. Um, so I mean, I'll go, like, I'll go 7-5 again on that one. Okay. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good and it's important and it's all this stuff. And I, um, yeah, I have, again, complicated feelings. Mm-hmm. It's weird. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But that's, that's that. Picnic at Hanging Rock. Hooray. I'm you, glad I rewatched that's it. That's right. Now I'm going to go have a second piece of cake. Just, <laughs> just to piss off Irma. So there. Um, stop biting my foot. My cats are not happy with my podcasting today. Stop that. Tell them to calm 
down. You know, I would, but I don't think they speak English. I'm starting to no. think. I really, I have, I have my theories on this. Hmm. All right. On that note, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to travel to the 70s in Detroit and talk about the Virgin Suicides. Yeah. Christine. Yep. Where were you in 1999? Yeah, I was about to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. We were getting ready for Y2K. That's what we were doing. It was a. It was oh, a. Yeah. I was. I was getting ready for that Y2K party. That's right. right. Um, it, it was. A, it was a lot of like changing our passwords and saving everything and making sure we didn't blow up. Good times. <laughs> uh, and also, it was when Sofia Coppola was making The Virgin Suicides. And yep. probably about a year later is, I think, when I rented it on VHS and watched it. Uh, that was the one and only time I had seen it prior to my rewatch a few weeks ago. Um, and I remember when I was 18 and watched this movie, really liking it. Um, being excited because at this point in life, I had not seen many films directed by a woman. Yep. You know? Fair. Because there weren't That's that fair. many. Um, and it, it, here's here's a fun story. So when I was a freshman in college, I was taking a women's studies class, and we had to do some kind of, like, creative final project. And I ended up writing a play about, like, a 14-year-old girl who commits suicide. I don't even remember, like, I, there's, like, I was, as I'm saying this, I'm like, whoa, I, like, wrote The Virgin Suicides. No, I didn't. But within that, like, I opened my play with, like, a quote, or, like, and the quote was the quote that starts this movie, which is, um, or not starts, but is one of the key quotes of this movie, which is when the 13-year-old has tried to kill herself, and the psychiatrist says to her, like, oh, what do you know about pain? You're, and she says, obviously, doctor, you've never been a 13-year-old girl. I thought mm-hmm. that was, like, the deepest thing when I was a teenager. 
um, so I again had had fond memories of this. Uh, decided to pair it with with uh, Picnic, obviously, and mm-hmm. I also read the book after I watched the movie. So this was like the, the episode that I ended up doing the most research for, for whatever reason. That's interesting. Yeah, I was just curious because I remember um, I'd never read the book. I've never read anything by uh, Jeffrey Eugenides, I think, and I knew people that had very strong opinions on it one way or another, and so I was just curious to give it a go, and it was. It's it's an interesting book to read after the film because I think um, Sofia Coppola clearly had a lot of uh, affection for the novel. That's why she made mm-hmm. the movie, obviously. But what was interesting was it it's very close, and even I mean, a lot of the dialogue itself is just taken straight from the page. Um, but it's it's an interesting then translation of it to screen where how I think some things on the page play very differently when you put them on screen. Or I think in some cases she's kind of coming at it with a different attitude than the book. Um, So it was, again, an interesting exercise. What was your experience with this movie? You had never seen it before. Is that right? I had seen it and I didn't particularly enjoy it. Okay. And then I watched it again and I didn't like it. So let's start by telling the people what uh, the movie's about. It is about a family of five girls. Mm, yes. Um, this I'm just showing you that I actually paid attention. <laughs> it's about it's about a family of five girls. Um, and the youngest is it? Is she the youngest? Yes. Yes. Cecilia. The youngest. Um, uh, ends her life during a a party. Um, she had attempted to before and her misguided parents decided she needed to socialize and um, she ended her life and then the rest of the movie is I don't know a jumbled, <laughs> a jumbled mess of the other girls life after it and then how that ends up <laughs> and then also a group of boys who disappear for a while in the movie's obsession with the girls. Narrated by Giovanni Ribisi. Narrated by Giovanni Ribisi, yes. Yeah, the book, the movie like the book, is told from the point of view of the boys that lived in the neighborhood and were basically obsessed with these girls. And that translate and, and the book, it's very specific where... It's narrated in the plural, what is it, plural, first person pluralized form, where it's we, we, yeah. yeah. And it is them as a group of men now, uh, looking back on this. And so, you know, there's moments when when they're, and the movie does this too, where it's basically like interviewing people kind of. Where yeah. somebody will be talking right to the camera, like, oh, yeah, well, I knew they were crazy type thing. The book does that, too, where it's, you know, oh, when we talked to Mrs. Smith across the street, some years later, she had a different recollection of this and so on. And it's even, like, at one point they're talking about a photograph and they say something like, oh, don't touch it because it's not, you know, it, it's very fragile. So there's that sense of, like, they're talking directly to you about their memories. And the movie pretty much does that. Like it's again, it's it's one man narrating it, but he describe he's speaking of it as if it is several of them watching it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's what we get. 
Yes. Um, it's there. It's a tricky. Like, there's things I really like about this movie. Um, I don't know if I like this movie. <laughs> I'm not yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I would like to know why you say that. I can tell you why I don't like it, but I would like, to, as someone who once liked it, I would like to. Well, no. Yeah, I think what I am struggling with is so the book is very much a male point of view about these women Mm -hmm. and on one hand it's one of those like oh the last thing I need to read is a man talking yes on the other hand I feel like and maybe it's and maybe I wouldn't have felt this way if I was younger reading it but reading it today I'm reading it with whether the author intended it or not, I am reading it as it's, it's kind of okay. I'm going to compare this to something that won't make sense, but maybe it will. Antichrist, the, the Lars von Trier movie. Have you seen uh, it? Yes, I, I like that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> My, I have a very particular reading of that movie that I don't think many people agree with, and I think that would include Lars von Trier. My reading of that movie is all the crazy shit Charlotte Gainsbourg does in that movie. Mm-hmm. Who knows what she actually does, but that we're seeing the movie from the time the Fox starts talking. We are seeing it from Willem Dafoe's it's point Willem of view. It's Willem Dafoe's point of view. Yeah. yeah. So that, Oh, I'm glad you agree with this. Cause I feel like I've, I never, whenever I explain this, people no, are like, uh, no, it's hundred percent true. Yeah. That her being basically a crazy witch. No, that's his, his perspective. It's his perspective yep. of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my take. I don't know if that was what Lars von Trier intended. It's kind of, that's sort of how I look at Virgin Suicides, the book. This book is about men reading women a certain way and thinking they understand them. And I, I see that because I'm a woman reading this book by a man about women. I don't know if he intended it that way. He may have intended it as here's how these women were and the mystery yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and to me, it's it's just if there's a step removed of like, no, 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 that's how you see them. And it's fascinating because watching you see them this way tells me something. And that it's like accidental art in a sense, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, with the film, you know, because I, I was reading like a fair amount of different people talking about it. And I feel like many critics see the film as Sofia Coppola doing just that as taking these girls that are being read and perceived a certain way by the narrator um but that they're like overcoming that but i don't know that i see that that much no it's not right? there yeah. you want to you want to believe that that's what's happening like i want to believe that that's what's happening but it's not there so not yeah. only is that aspect of it removed it's also clunky and jumbled and in my opinion not competently made from a storytelling perspective mm-hmm. I, when I when I say that I don't like say oh she used the wrong camera angle and this right, was right. too many cuts that's not what I mean it's just it. the narration dips in and out the the perspective changes the like you have one interview with an older version of a, yeah. a character but nobody else yep it's it's really disjointed and strange. None of the characters are likable and are empathetic. All of the little boys come across as fucking creeps. Yep. And there's nothing like 
nostalgic about it. It doesn't like and like a couple I'm, of... I'm almost okay with that aspect of it because I'm being creeps. Yeah, well, them yeah. them being creeps because I think it's to me. I actually like that because I don't want to be on their side. I don't want to be rooting for them to get the girls or to. Um, like, uh, you know, to kind of be satisfied at all in this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, so I like that I'm not, um, that I'm not caring about them. I don't know if I was, in- I think I was intended not to. I don't think Sofia Coppola meant for anybody to be rooting for any happy ending. I think it's very clear that we're watching a tragedy unfold and it's going to affect everybody, and nobody necessarily deserves to get out of it, I guess. Um, the... But... So, yeah, like, there, I think there's charm to it. Like, the Trip Fontaine sequence, I actually, like, I like that whole sort yeah. of flip, where suddenly it's a different perspective. I think it's really funny. I think um, just, like, that whole sequence has a sense of humor about it. Um, it's believable. There's something very like young and and charming about uh, just this yeah, sort of like young sexual energy. But then, like, yeah, I just it it fizzles, which we kind of know is going to happen. But I think one thing that's like really key is again we're talking about like perspective and whose story we're seeing and what point of view we're seeing. Well, if we're seeing it from all points of view that have been given to these kids or these, you know, this omniscient narrator, who's seeing Lux wake up on the football field and come back home? What is that? Is that this character yeah. breaking out of the narrative that's be, that's being pulled out from her? Or is it just kind of messy storytelling in a sense? Because there's no reason we should see that if this is a story told of what these boys witnessed from these different accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that's bothersome, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't get over the, the stuff like that. Fair. Very fair. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, like the book is very much where when the priest goes to the house and the priest is Scott Glenn. So I'm like, oh, I forgot Scott Glenn is in this. It's like, oh, yeah, he's only in there for two minutes and he's gone. Uh, but when he does that in the book, like he's talking to them about it. He's telling them like, oh, yeah, the place smelled and this and that. And, you know, the movie, it's just now suddenly we're in the perspective of the girls at the house and he comes in the house and that's what we see. And so, yeah, like it, it's like it keeps you off beat or off like out of sorts but not necessarily in a way that's supposed to be telling or I don't know really doing anything I guess mm-hmm. yeah um I so I don't know if I like Sofia Coppola <laughs> I'm gonna say that I don't at this point because I have seen a couple things and I didn't like them and I have no desire to see the other things um, and then there was that whole to-do about the beguiled and how she didn't want black people in it because it's, it wasn't a story about black people. Well, like, okay. So, I don't know. I'm just kind of all set with her. And there's something really creep and creepy and there's a weird fetishization of, like, the young female body in this that I don't know if it was handled in a way that I appreciated. 
So I'm I'm mixed on her. Um, I I've only seen Lost in Translation once, and I was in college, and I liked it then. I have no idea what I think <laughs> of it now. Um, I did enjoy Marie Antoinette. I have not seen anything else. I don't think. Um, with the Beguiled, which I actually really do want to see because that cast is amazing, and I've heard really interesting yeah, the, things. Yeah, the cast is really good. The, there's a part of me that, like, when that whole when everything came out, when basically, yeah, she was interviewed, and it was like, hey, why aren't there black people in a movie about the Civil War in which the material it's based on included a black person? I feel like I will. I don't want to defend her, but I understand there is something to her, which is to say. There are a few people that grew up in a more privileged life than Sofia Coppola. Yeah, right? that's Sophia very true. Sofia Coppola grew up with Francis Ford Coppola as her father. Uh, she grew up wealthy beyond her means, very sheltered to the point where she probably didn't even know what the Godfather 3 reviews were type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as, again, like like I'm you root for like when she made this and she was like in her 20s I don't know how old she was but she was young there's something great about like good for her like being this like young female director like you know what yeah well if my father was Francis Ford Coppola it probably wouldn't have been that hard for me to get the rights to this book and to make it into a movie that so there's a part of me that when she kind of came out and said look I don't know how to make a movie with black people I don't know how to tell a story about racism like there's a part that you're like well i mean she's right <laughs> like she like i don't want a movie about the black experience told That's by sofia coppola very true maybe she shouldn't have made it then fair exactly yeah or i mean yes she should have probably again i haven't seen the movie so i can't speak to it but like yeah she should have found a way to handle that or anticipate that or deal with that um why couldn't she have just like produced it and like had a hand in it and handed it to somebody else right right then i don't know i don't know i just well and i think her privilege i think maybe bothers me well it's oh totally and it's so um it's huge in her movies thinking of this one and then marie antoinette which is i mean they are very much related in many ways aside from Mm -hmm. like the same actress and i think she does have a really interesting relationship with Kirsten Dunst as an actress in, in these both films. Mm-hmm. But both of them are the sense of like, Oh, not like kind of poor little rich girl to, to an extent in both. And this sort of, um, very particular character that she knows or likes to write and to direct, which, which is that, which is this beautiful, tragic, um, you know, kind of very lucky, but very unlucky young woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, like in a way, I think like she's kind of the right person to have adapted this. Um, and the thing that, I, the reason I remember back when this came out, like I knew who she was because I had seen, she had a short film called Lick the Star that I somehow had seen on like IFC in 1998 one day watching cable and the reason i watched it was because it was like about it was about teenage girls and they read flowers in the attic and then they like become really mean to each other and i think (laughs) that's actually on the crate because this is now a criterion dvd and i think Mm -hmm. it's on the criterion disc i think they have her short film and it's very much like hey if i was in my 20s and i was a filmmaker and i was sofia coppola i would probably also want to make a movie of flowers in the attic or you know, tell a story about teenage girls because that's, you know, something where, oh, I can tell this story. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, a story that I am somebody suited to do. 
and so I think some aspects of that work. Um, I don't like. I didn't find it like find the stuff like I didn't find it leering or uncomfortable because I think again maybe it's just me sort of spinning that into well because I'm seeing what these boys are remembering having seen but I don't think she made the movie competently enough to convince me that that was deliberate fair very fair because like if it if that was if it was some like searing indictment on on like the way like you you had said like the I don't know if the book was was supposed to be these are how boys think girls are or this is really i'm genuinely thinking that this is how these girls were right right i I don't know if 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 i'm convinced that this movie was in that place either like i would have loved it if she would have been like these dumb chumps thought these were like beautiful mysterious like fantastical creatures and they were just really troubled girls who all ended their lives like I, I that would have been interesting but I again don't feel like the, I got one one little hint of it it was actually the part with the tree when they didn't mm, want the tree to yeah. come down I yeah. really liked that part and I was like aha right there's something here but then it like went away again and it just it bummed me out like I don't I don't know well because we get to know suddenly the girls are human beings at that point yeah. right because if my sister committed suicide and there was her handprint on you know this block of cement in front of her house yeah i'm gonna go out there and defend it and not want somebody taking it down Mm -hmm. and for the the entirety of that movie we never see them really showing almost any emotion right or any kind of personality Uh, the something like a quote that i saw come up a few times from the author was that like something he thought the movie should have done is that um and i i think this is actually a like a, like i don't agree at all but i think it's an interesting bit of insight into what he was writing or what he thought mm-hmm. he was writing which is he thought the movie shouldn't have the, sh- the movie should have played around with the sisters so that like different actresses played different sisters at different points in the film the idea being like nobody knew who anyone was like bonnie could have been therese and well that is actually interesting though because then it really it that really underscores the these boys were in love with something they didn't know right but which i don't think was present in this movie yeah um it's something Sophia Coppola said about like the book and what like what made what she saw in it to make a film. Um, this is a quote from Sophia Coppola. I immediately saw the central story as being about what distance and time and memory do to you, and about the extraordinary power of the unfathomable, unfathomable. Which, yeah, like those are themes and they're kind of there, but not. They're not pushed enough i mean no, it's similar to what we're saying they, about picking a high rock really they pay lip service to the idea of time distorting memory but i don't feel like it's actually on display in this movie right right especially because you do have that very heavy narration like yeah. it it could have been he could have been narrating something completely different than what we were seeing and that yeah. would have been interesting yeah like 
because now with all this distance, he's turned it into this situation. But really, like, this is how it happened. You know, like, I don't know. I just, oh, this movie, it was really, (laughs) it was really hard to get through. I got angry at it a couple times. And like, I, it's okay to have a dislikable character, but I don't know if, was I supposed to hate all those girls? I don't think so. Um, no, I, I don't. I, I no, I, were, I don't. Talk I, about aloof. That's the, that's yeah. the hashtag for this this episode. They were <laughs> so aloof. Yeah, there, there's. I mean, the only one that really, in a way, has any kind of personality is Cecilia, who dies within the first ten minutes. Easily my favorite character. Yeah, because at least she's kind of funny. She's. You know, like she she kind of shows spark and personality and then and the rest of them don't uh and I mean there's something like in the book there's a little bit of kind of reading between the lines where like you kind of can gather like okay um like Bonnie is kind of a science nerd and Mary is a little more of a girly girl like it's the, it's almost like it's there but the boys don't acknowledge it the boys are just kind of reporting things but you, the more you read it, the more you pick up on, oh, whenever they talk about Therese, they're talking about her and science. And the film doesn't do that. And, like, I kind of wanted to either do it or to totally not do it. No, I get that. And the fact that you're really selling me on this book, by the way, Um, the fact that the book does it, but yet you're saying the boys don't necessarily acknowledge it, again is an interesting play as to how like oh we don't really care who these girls are we are in love or we are infatuated with the idea of these girls i don't feel like the movie successfully does that because none of the girls really exist but not in like a deliberate interesting way just in like a weird like aloof whiny way where are they so we all know what ends up happening it's right there in the title i mean the title is yeah guess what folks they all die we're i i get that they got their their mom made them stay in the house and that was not good for them but like i didn't i knew and i knew something bad was going to happen but i don't know if the movie earned that and that might be a dickhead thing to say as (laughs) i say it i don't know if the movie earned that though like why it ha- it fe- I feel like it happened because it was supposed to happen, not because mm-hmm. the movie t- explained to me how we got to this point. Yeah, and I'm okay with it not being. I'm okay with it not being explained because I, you know, the narrator doesn't understand it. That, but uh, uh, then they should have they should have done that explicitly for everything. Right. If the narrator Agreed. didn't see it or didn't know about it, then we as the viewer don't know about it. But that's not what happened. We saw all types of other shit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like what it should have done was laid out where either yeah, either funnel it if you're funneling it completely through this narration then yeah we see it but we know we're seeing a very skewed version of it or you funnel it but broaden it to where your narrator doesn't get it but we at least have an insight into it yep yeah instead of it kind of you know happening you're right because it's in the title and it has to happen (laughs) because that's how the movie ends yeah 
Yeah, it was. This was a, again. It was a weird watch for me. I I watched this one on a. I, I read Picnic on the plane, and then coming back, I watched this on the plane, and it, it was a case where I just kind of felt similar to how I felt watching Picnic this time, of just like, okay, uh huh, okay. Like I, just, <laughs> I couldn't summon anything one way or another for it. The mo- I mean, what's the most kind of fun thing about it is catching all the before they were famous and when they were young people. Yeah. Um, so we get, uh, let's see, Hayden Christensen mm-hmm. uh, as one of the boys. Um, Hannah Hall, who I mentioned, is young Jenny in Forrest Gump and also in the movie Scalene, which everybody should watch. Um, the chick from one of the Wishmaster movies. Yes. And, and, and our favorite. And final destination too Yay! yes Yay! didn't recognize her had to be told. i didn't either i could tell like all the girls i'm like they all look kind of familiar what else were they in and then when as soon as i saw her i'm like oh yeah uh it's aj cook is her name and yes. who's the other one that i found um oh and there was a guy whose name i don't know but there was like a period of time when he was in every single thing i watched jonathan tucker so he's one of the kids and jonathan tucker was in how many movies was he in that i have seen uh, he was in the Masters of Horror, Toby Hooper's Masters of Horror episode, Tans mm-hmm. of the Dead. Mm-hmm. He was in the Deep End with Tilda Swinton, which I saw. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, an episode of Law SVU. Yeah, we looked him up. Yeah, like, I, I remember. Oh, The Ruins. That's that's the other big thing. The Ruins, yep. He, was, he had this period in the Pulse remake. Like, he was in every horror movie I saw. And so watching him, like, as a kid, I'm like, is that, did that kid grow up to be the kid that was in all the movies? And yes, the answer was yes. <laughs> so, I mean, that was interesting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that the movie was overly interesting or, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh. It's another one where I want to hear the people who, like, really love the movie. And I'm, cause, I mean, I'm sure you can – this is a good movie to write a paper on. It's a good movie to drag into a lot of other discourse. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's a case where, who knows, maybe if I was in a different mood when I watched it, I may have been a little more receptive to some of what it was trying to do tonally. Yeah. But this go-around, I was just – Kind made me feel kind of old. I think. Really? Yeah, you know, like no, I get that. Yeah, one of those cases where, um, just thinking how oh, you know, you don't know what it's like to be a thirteen-year-old girl. Like, hey, you know what? It, it's not that bad. <laughs> I got yeah, past I mean, it. we all get past no, it. I, I get it. Like, there's distance now, and you're a different person, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, doesn't quite speak to me the same way when I was, you know, an impressionable teenager, I guess. I think that's normal, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, so do you have any more to say about The Virgin Suicides? I don't think so, but I will say I enjoy talking about it a lot more than I, I expected yeah. to. Awesome, me as well. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go ahead and rate it. Quality of film? Oh, oh boy. Go. Okay, you went first last time, so I feel like I should take the pressure off of you and go first this Thank time. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go straight six. Um, uh, 4.5. Ooh, okay. Uh, and quality of life. 4.5. I'm going to go 5.5. I am so surprised yours aren't higher. Yeah, it just, it didn't, it didn't do 
much at all for me this time yeah. around. And no, I, I get yeah. that. I mean, think people change and tastes yeah. change and stuff. And again, like many a movie, we did, when we I remember when we did Sunshine, this was like one of the best cases of movie where it seems like every time I watch it, my opinion resets. Yeah. Because the first time I watched it, I loved it. Or no, the first time I watched it, I had like big issues with it. Second time I watched it, I forgave all those issues and I saw a masterpiece. Third time I watched it, I had the issues again. So it's like I'm due for a watch <laughs> where it's like perfect. And I think, you know, this is again, like I'm saying about Picking and Hanging Rock, like you know, time and place in life and maybe mood that day and all that. It's for sure. Yeah, it, it'll, uh, it'll color how we see things. So a hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So those were our ethereal, aloof teenage girls disappearing into vortexes or death. Double feature. Woohoo! It's a good time, right? I mean, I, it really pop, was pop the popcorn, you know, it's have a rollicking <laughs> good time right there. Uh, stick your head in an oven. It's all good. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> so now, um, before we talk about next episode, do you have a streaming recommendation? I do. <gasps> I finally watched a movie that Yay. everybody had told me that I should watch. <gasps> and I was like, I'll get around to it. And um, I finally got around to it. And that is I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. I still haven't watched it. I still I need really to get around like to it. it. No, but And you did not like Black Coat's Daughter. Is that right? Um, not at all. And I loved Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. But this, this I, I liked a lot. And a lot of it could have been Ruth Wilson, um, okay. who I love. Um, it could have been because I love her so much. But um, I don't know. I just, I really dug it. Interesting. Um, I will ask you the question that you know I'm going to ask. What? Do I need to watch it in one sitting? I would. Okay. That's that's the reason. It's very quiet and very slow. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that t- that's why it took me so long to watch Black Coat's Daughter. I, that's also why I have not yet watched the movie with a very long title. Um, but I loved Black Coat's Daughter. So if, if you enjoyed this one much more than that, um, mathematically, I should enjoy this one. You should give more. it a 10, a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 5. Um, a 10 out of 5. I... I'm sure, I'm sure there were some problems with it. I wouldn't ever say, like, it's a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. For me, it, it delivered a lot of what I'm looking for in a movie like okay. this. Very cool. I will let you know so when I get So everybody who recommended it to me, you were right. <laughs> uh, that was not me, because I hadn't seen it. But I will in time. All right. My streaming recommend uh, is via Amazon Prime. And it's a movie I know you're a fan of. And I mentioned it a while back when I watched a movie that had a similar premise and I was like, you know, this was okay, but it was no Carriers. Is your recommendation Carriers? Yes, it is. It's on Amazon Prime. (laughs) I just got so confused. (laughs) Sometimes Um, I take a little too... My my setups can sometimes be a little bit too zigzaggy, I think. I I was like, where are we going with this? Yeah, no, I know. I've been meaning to rewatch it because I keep seeing it go by. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah, I, I've only watched it the one time, and I loved it. I so loved it, too. hopefully yeah. I'll enjoy it again when I eventually rewatch it. And I can, because it's on Amazon Prime, so I will. Uh, but for folks who don't know, Carriers is a post-apocalyptic, virus, few people alive mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. It has a ridiculous before-they-were-famous cast that includes yep. what's-his-face and what's-his-face and what's-her-face. Fine. Chris Klein. No, Klein. Chris Klein. Oh, Chris, Chris Pine. Chris Klein. I said for you. You're the I one heard. who said it wrong. You know what it is. 
I just always hear Chris Klein. I, I don't yes. know what it. It's just my Chris Klein. Yeah, uh, and uh, what's his face? Stabler's in it, right? Stabler is in it. Yes, Chris yeah. Maloney, the chick that was in other stuff, Emily Van Camp. Is that her name? Blonde actress. She's many that things. Is- that is a person. That's a name. person. I, She's in it too. I don't really have a recollection of the lady in it. So, yeah. the point is, it's a very good movie. It's and very good. it, for whatever reason, it just can't. I guess it came to DVD when it came out, and I never hear it talked about. And I think it's just really good. And you can watch it now on Amazon, so you should because I told you to. And that is that. That is that. So now our next episode, Christine. Yes. What did I say to you today? You said come up with something summery and fun and beachy, yep. and I said the Lost Boys. Yes. I don't know why I thought that. I mean, it said like on the California Pier, right? But that doesn't. That's not a good reason to think of that. And then I blanked out and couldn't think of any other movie. Okay. Well, <laughs> I... so I think you, I think I did see that you put up on the Facebook that you would ask people to suggest summery beachy movies and it looks like people have people did yeah um so. uh, yeah i felt it was because after this episode of like pasty white girls uh you know kind of being miserable yeah. i'm like god i want something like light and fluffy and fun and it's summer and i want beach and i want bikinis and all that stuff so uh i'm fine with the lost boys if you're good with it <laughs> i haven't seen it in such a long time i, I wanted to revisit it i would hey I, I always like seeing Kiefer sutherland in a bikini why not <laughs> um so then what did what would you want to pair with it you know i'm gonna go i think now i have to make sure i said it right i'm pretty sure it was jason who recommended a movie that i often think about and then often forget about but you want to talk about a beach movie how about talk about psycho beach party Okay, I thought you were going to say beaches, and I was going to say no, no, no. No, and then, Christine, I would have to remind you that we already did beaches. I know. Okay. We already did that. Don't <laughs> do that do to the me remake. again. We could do the remake. No! No, I like the remake. Uh, so we're going to do The Lost Boys and Psycho Beach Party, which stars Lauren Ambrose, who is my, um, if Natalie Dormer um, <laughs> turns me down, then I'm going to, you know, or maybe, I, you know, I'll take either one. Whichever one of you ladies wants me, I'm here for you. <laughs> All right, I've never seen this movie, so I'll have to. Oh, it's I'm I've only seen it once. It is, oh man, I mean it's basically like a drag musical. I shouldn't have said musical because now you're scared. Now I'm terrified. (laughs) But it's very campy. Yeah. Uh, It's zany, if you will. Nicholas Brendan is in it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, So let's uh, let's do it. Psycho Beach Party and the Lost Boys. Okay, sounds good. All right. Uh, And folks, those of you who gave us recommendations, thank you, and we will hold on to them for the future. Hooray! Yay! All right, on that note, Christine, everything begins and ends at exactly the right time. Now we will wander off into a hanging rock, uh, take off our pantaloons and girdles, and fly off into the ether of... um, whatever afterlife australia land those girls ended up in i'm gonna turn into a swan goodbye Ooh, i like that bye